This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. I'll talk to you this morning about this word occupied. Occupied. A lot of you probably understand occupied, military term. We have a Marine, you know. We understand the military aspect of it. But I've been chewing on this word occupied and occupied with him. Occupied with God, you know. Uh, so I'm not when we've been seized, you know, and, and we've become occupied territory. Occupied terrain, if you would. And I am his territory. I, I've been occupied by Almighty God. He, he takes possession he genuinely takes possession of me and, and 100% control of me. You know, it's a wonderful place to be occupied with God. Really is, you know, all of me taken, all of me filled with God. It is a wonderful place to be. And listen what it says here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. Dear children... Keep away. Keep away. What do you think when you see something about keep away? You know? <laughs> danger, danger. Like there's a cliff or there's something that's dangerous. You know, you keep away. It says, dear children. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Keep away from anything that might occupy God's place in your hearts. Is, is something, you know, trying to take God's place in your heart right now? The enemy of our soul is trying to put something in us that would take God's place. The, the devil surely doesn't want our focus to be upon God. He'd rather our focus be on anything other than God. He'd rather us be occupied with anything other than with God, you know. And I challenge you, don't let anything take God's place in your heart. You know, the, the scriptures tells us we're to love the Lord. What's it say? With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. To, to be occupied, body, soul, and spirit, all aspects of us. That's the first commandment, to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And uh, we were just reading where it says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. I, I looked at that word anything. I think I probably knew what it meant, but I just wanted to look it up in the dictionary. And when I was reading, it says, Keep away from anything. Anything means a thing. No matter what it is. No matter what it is, anything can take God's place in our life if you allow it to. Anything, everything, something, you know. And, and just don't let any kind of a thing take God's place in your heart. Some things can become more important to you than God. And uh, we'll always end up, you know, on, on the, the losing end. You know, we'll miss out. We won't be satisfied if we go that way. So does that mean 100% we need to stay away from 100% of anything? Anything that can take God's place. Uh, I'll say this way. I should stay away from anybody who would try to take your place in my life. 
That's and just true. my wife. <laughs> That's you know, true. But our love for God, we should stay away from anything that would try to take God's place. place in our life. That's, That's right. For, for sure. Listen to what it says here in Mark. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the discussion. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? How about that? Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And this question was being asked of Jesus. So we should make a note of this answer. The most important. What of all the commandments, which is the most important? In verse 29. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must... Love the Lord your God. That right there is the most important commandment to love the Lord your God. And then he, he, as he goes deeper into that passage, he talks about to love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Love him with all that there is of you. That is the most important commandment. There is none more important than that. And if you'll study the word love in the original Greek, It'll tell you that love is only known by the action that it prompts. You know, uh, you've probably heard this statement before, but you know, you can tell somebody you love them, but talk is cheap. You, you got to demonstrate it. You've got to act it out. And I think that God surely did demonstrate that, and He acted it out toward us when He said He loved us. And Jesus went to the cross and he paid for our sins and he pardoned us and he forgave us. And he's written our name in the book of life. You know, he surely has demonstrated and when he answers our prayers and he gives us a beautiful sunrise in the morning, he's always demonstrating his love to us. So remember that love is only known by the action it prompts. And so if we say we love God, there needs to be some corresponding actions, you know, of, of that statement. First John chapter 5 verse 3 and this is in the Amplified Bible it says for the true love of God is this that we habitually keep his commandments. Habitually. What, what does that mean? Habitually. It's a habit. Like you do it like at Christmas like once a year or something? No. No. Regularly. I mean, you, you know it's like an addiction. You know you habitually do this. It's, you're you're, you're Grab the hold of it and you just keep turning loose, you know. For the true love of God is this. That we habitually keep his commandments and remain focused on his precepts. Remain focused on, on, on his precepts. We remain focused on, on his word. And, and the commands of God are not a negative thing, you know. It, it's just like, hey, thou shalt drive 55. Thou shalt drive you know, 25 on my street or you'll get a ticket. You know, that's not a bad thing. That's giving you freedom to drive and all. And so what it says here, for the true love of God is that we habitually keep his commandments. So we have the freedom he's offered us and we remain focused. And you understand focus? You ever use a pair of binoculars, you know, or a camera? And you're, you're, you're trying to bring things clear, you know? And he says, and we're, are to remain focused on his precepts and his commandments. And his precepts are... Not difficult to obey. Or what? Not difficult to obey. Now, a lot of people would like to you and say, yeah, 
Obeying God's word is just so difficult. No, it's not. Because he sends Holy Spirit into our life. If you want to obey God, he sends Holy Spirit into our life and gives us the ability to resist the temptations that would cause us to do otherwise. And he says, and I believe him, he says his precepts are not difficult to obey. And all you got to do is just, I need your help, Lord, to obey. And he'll give you the strength and he'll give you the help that you need. Picking up here on verse 4. For everyone born of God. And you probably heard in the term, you know, we're seeing here where it says everyone who's born of God. You've heard the term born again. And that's in the book of John, chapter 3. It talks about being born again. Nicodemus had this discussion, you know, and and God's word tells us very clearly that we must be born again. And Nicodemus was saying, what do you mean? Go back into my mother's womb and be born the second time? And he said, no, that which is of the flesh, flesh, that which is the spirit, is the spirit. But he says, for everyone who's born again, that means that you allow Christ to come into your life, give you a, a brand spanking new life. For everyone, and what percentage is everyone? 100%. 100%. For everyone born of God is victorious. How do you like the idea of being victorious? Everyone who is born of God, who is born again, is victorious, and it don't stop there, and overcomes the world. And there's a lot of foolishness in this world. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of darkness in this whole world. All the time, but the Bible says everyone who is born of God is victorious and overcomes this world and this is the victory that has conquered and has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. And that's what brings the victory. That's what brings us into this overcoming mentality. That's what causes us to become conquerors and all. And he says this continuing persistent faith. And faith, the Bible says it right here. Romans chapter 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing, hearing God's word. And if you want to pray about something, the Bible talks about all things are possible to those who believe. Faith. Faith comes by hearing God's word. It produces faith. But we listen to so much stuff. Well, we don't personally, but so many people listen to so much stuff on the television and on the internet and everything else. And it produces so much fear and so much anxiety and so much doubt. But the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing God's word. And he says here, our continuing persistent faith. That's what causes us to become victorious and conquerors and overcomers. Our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the son of God. We're, we're not talking about rules. We're not talking about rituals. We're not talking about religion here. We're not talking about obligations. It's talking about loving Jesus. As an old song we used to sing went like this. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first love me. And there's another old song. I'll just uh, throw out just a, a couple of uh, verses of it. It goes like this. 
In moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to Jesus. In moments like these, I lift up my hands. I lift up my hands to the Singing, I love you, Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. I love you. And just one little verse of a more contemporary song. It's by Matt Redman. And uh, it, it really kind of melts down what worship is all about. It says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. See, he said, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm not just going to sing a song that means nothing. But I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about Jesus. And see, people, they worship their money, they worship relationships, they worship their car, worship their hobbies. They can worship anything. The worship was created for the Almighty God. And wherever you invest your time, your energy, and your money, that is what you worship. You know, that is what you worship. There's an old country man. And he visited London for the first time. And in a great art gallery, he looked at many different paintings. And he was especially impressed with a picture of Jesus dying on the cross. And as he gazed earnestly upon this picture, a deeper love for the Savior flooded his heart. With great feeling, he exclaimed, Bless him. I, I love him. I love him so. He became occupied. That's what we're talking about here today. He became occupied. He, he became overtaken with Christ. He was just so touched that Jesus would die in his place to, to wash his sins away. He just got caught up in that. And those who were standing nearby, they, they saw tears glistening on his careworn face as he stood completely oblivious to the presence of others because he was occupied with Jesus. He was filled to the point you could see him overflowing, you know. Some folks came close to him and they said, we too love him, brother. We too love him. Though they were all strangers to each other, they were drawn together by the love and the adoration for the Savior who gave his life for us. You know, it says it, and I know we've already talked about it, but in, in Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31, but the essence of it, when it talks about loving the Lord with all your heart, and that's the core of who you are, being wholehearted in your devotion, undivided, you know, in your devotion to Jesus who gave his all for us. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, 
It as, says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Martha welcomed Jesus and 12 disciples into her home. Her home was now occupied with Jesus. Genuinely, it was occupied with Jesus and Jesus' friends. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Now Mary was occupied completely with Jesus. Now she lived in the home of Martha. And Mary just sat down, you know. Occupied means that she's busy, she's, she's engaged. And I, I was visualizing this as I was doing a little studying. Have you ever seen a sprocket on a bicycle or a motorcycle or something? And you see all these little teeth on it, you know, the sprocket. But it's a chain that's, that's wrapped around it. And now that sprocket is, is occupied, you know, with this chain. I mean, the, the two become one, and then you can go where you want to go and do what you want to do. Well, Mary, um, she was occupied with Jesus. She, she was full, and she wanted nothing else. She just wanted to sit there at Jesus' feet and hear the truths that he was telling and the power that he had released, you know, and what was yet to come occupied. Mary was completely, you know, she was engrossed in thought to the exclusion of everything else. Nothing else really mattered to her. She was absorbed with Jesus. You know, Mary was taken, if you would, with Jesus. She clung to every word that he was saying. So this is what is going on in Luke chapter 10, picking up in verse 40. You know, I was just thinking about it, the song we sang today, Nothing Else. That is very fittingly Mary's song. I'm yep. caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. That's right. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. That's right. You know, that's... that's and, and Martha came up, like it will probably be people who would come up and say, hey, you got to... You know, broaden your perspective a little bit. Martha came up. But Martha was distracted. Yeah. She was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair, unfair? to you that my sister just sits here? She's taken with you, Jesus. She's just sitting here at your feet, listening to you talking all. But I need some help here in the kitchen. That's, that's what she says. While I do all the work, tell her to come and help me. Now Mary, she was captivated with Jesus. And she didn't want to think about anything else. She, she was clinging to every word that gave her hope. That, that, that encouraged her. That, that removed her fears and her anxieties and her worries. But the words of Christ was speaking the same way when we hear the words of Christ here. You know, faith comes by hearing God's word. Whether you're reading it or whether you're sitting at Jesus' feet, faith comes by hearing. And that's what Mary was doing. And Martha says, Jesus, there you go. Now, is that the way you pray? <laughs> Jesus, would you make so-and-so do this and make so-and-so do this and make so-and-so do that? <laughs> is that what your prayers are like? No. That's not a good way to pray. It really isn't, you know. But that's what she was saying. You tell her, Jesus, to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha. And he loved Martha. Martha was a servant, but she was so preoccupied. My dear Martha, you are worried 
and upset over all these details. There is only one thing. Only one thing. Worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. There's only one thing to be concerned about. Get your priorities right. You know, the, 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 the one, the most important thing that will make things go well for you, that will help you, that will comfort you like nothing else. And then we pick up here and, and read the same passage in the Message Bible, Luke chapter 10, verse 42, it says, The thing, one thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course. It's the main course. Mary has chosen the main course. She's not eating a lot of little snacks and all to, to mess up her appetite for what's most important. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It is the main course and won't be taken from her. Now, here is a very familiar passage that many people know in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And it says, and Jesus is talking. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Now, it says, Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all. And what percentage is all? 100%. 100%. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. It's the first thing. You know, not the last. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. What, what do you need personally? Right now, think about what is it that you need? And, and, and that, that is true. And that's a very proper answer to my question, especially here in church. And things like that. Especially but, what we're teaching. <laughs> but what else do you genuinely need? Do, do you need to, to make a car payment or a house payment? Is somebody in your family not well and, and you need God's blessings and, and healing to flow to them? What else is it that you need? Because he says right here, Matthew six thirty three, seek the kingdom of God. And when you put God first, it does change everything in your life. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Uh, live right, you know. And he, talking about almighty God, and he will give you, what's that word? Everything. And what percentage is everything? 100%. Now the Bible says this, and you either you believe it or throw the thing away. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And we have discovered that it's true. And we've been living according to God's word since we're teenagers. You know, we found that God is 100% true. And he says here, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you, what's that word? Everything. Everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't, I jumped no, 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 that's, that's okay. So yeah. don't worry about tomorrow. D don't worry. He's going to give you everything that you need when you put it first. And in the 23rd Psalm, do you know that passage where it talks about you're being followed? Does anybody know how that verse goes? You know how it goes? Yep. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you. Always. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow all the days. You ever feel like you've been followed? The Bible says, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. 
goodness and mercy. That, that's, that's pretty amazing to be followed. That, so don't worry about tomorrow. Because, you know, you get preoccupied with Jesus, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And everything that you have need of, God will provide it for you. Now, it's okay to have stuff. Just don't let stuff have you. You can have stuff and use stuff, but just don't let stuff, you know, control you. And stuff just occupy and take complete control of you. That's not what you want to do. There's a scripture there in Hebrews Chapter 4.16, it talks about coming boldly. Coming boldly to the throne of God's grace. That's the way God wants us to pray. To come boldly to him and you pray according to his word. And he says that we come boldly to his throne of grace. And we can find mercy and grace to help us when we need it most. That's what God promises. And he's 100% true to what he promises us, you know. And to love God, wholeheartedly, this is amazing. Because, see, we must become convinced, you know, that our, our, our true happiness and our satisfaction is found in him alone. Things come and you're happy for a little while. The Bible tells us, you know, there's pleasure in sin for a season. But that season comes to an end. We understand seasons in Connecticut. And, you know... As much as we like this time of the year, maybe you do. <laughs> you know, before you, you know, there's going to be people fussing about the two feet of snow they have in the shovel. The season changes. And the Bible tells us, you know, sin, there's, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but that season will come to an end. So are you occupied with Jesus? Are you occupied with something else that don't satisfy you? Are you occupied with something else that brings guilt or shame or it brings emptiness and just don't fulfill you the way you'd like it to, you know? So if you're not occupied with Jesus, then you're preoccupied with something else. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, this is in regards to Moses. Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He said he chose Moses. He chose, yeah. He chose rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I'll tell you what Jesus does with sin. If you go to him, he forgives it. He forgives it. He pardons it. And he washes it completely away. And uh, it's important to understand our priorities and what fulfills us and what leaves us empty. It says here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Nothing is worth more than your soul. Now, Brian, Brian's in the back, and, and Brian's mom, a couple of days ago, one morning, she went to be with the Lord, didn't she? She didn't pass away. She passed on. You know, she's been looking for that city whose builder and maker is God himself. And we're passing through. We're passing through. You know, you ain't like, pass through. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil because God's with me. 
that, that's what he, he tells us, his, his word tells us there. You know, Judas was preoccupied with lust for fame and fortune. But I'll tell you, when you get occupied with Jesus, oh, the best is truly yet to come. And it's a positive thing when we see him face to face. Because we know these old frail bodies, we're not going to be here forever, you know. We try to be, and we'd like to be, but that's just not the way it's all set up. We're here for a season. And as God tells us in his word, it's appointed unto every man wants to die. The main thing is, are you prepared? Have you been occupied? Are you occupied with Jesus when that day comes, you know? Anyhow, we read this verse a while ago, but let's read it again. 1 John 5, 21. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. And then Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. And Satan tries to stuff our hearts full of all kinds of stuff, doesn't he? And, and it can seem to be harmless stuff. Just as long as you don't have Jesus in there. The, the devil will just try to get us preoccupied with everything. And it says above all else. That's a high priority when it says above all else. That means 100%. 100% above all else, guard your heart. And the Bible talks about we have the armor of God. A breastplate of righteousness. And, and, and a breastplate, it protects your heart, your liver, your lungs, your vital organs and things like that. And it says here, above all else. Guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. And you want to tell you how things contaminate your heart? You got doors into your heart, your eyes and your ears, or doorways into your heart. And whatever you see and whatever you hear gets into your heart. Faith gets into your heart by you reading it and hearing it. But all kinds of evil gets into your heart by what you watch, what you read, what you listen to. And when the Bible says guard your heart, he's saying guard your eyes and guard your ears. Because that's how stuff gets into your heart. That's what he's talking about. And in the uh, book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. It says set your affection. You know what affections are? Appetites. You know, it's, it's, it's your affections, it's, it's your appetites and, and your desires. It says, set your affection on things above. On, on, on things above, on kingdom stuff. Set your affections on the king himself. I remember many, 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 many years ago, I had heard about this pastor. Someone had a log cabin way out in the wilderness somewhere, and they told him, hey, why don't you go take my cabin for a, a week and just have some time alone and Read, study, pray, whatever you want to do. There's a big lake there, you can fish, whatever. And I was reading about this guy, and I was very intrigued. And I was saying, that's kind of nice to know somebody like that, isn't <laughs> it? You know, who's got a place in the wilderness, a lake. And anyhow, the pastor got up early that morning, and he walked down this green meadow that was overlooking the lake. And in the lake, there was a little island. You know, it was quite a few acres of lake, but there was a little island, just a little island, and there was a, a big old dead tree on the island. And the pastor, it was the sun was warming the, the 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 world around him, and he sat back down and he leaned back in the grass, put his hands behind his head, and he was just looking at the beauty of God's creation. And then he saw something move on the dead tree, something moved, and it caught his attention. And so he's laying there and he's just watching, and then he saw it move again, and then he discovered what it was. 
it was an eagle standing up there. It looked like a piece of the, the log, you know, the, the dead tree. And every once in a while, the eagle would cock his head and look upward. And he would just be there kind of preening himself and all. And he'd just cock his head and he'd look upward. And then all of a sudden, it was kind of a, an amazing thing he saw. The eagle jumped up off of that dead branch and began to pound the air with those massive eagle wings. And he pounded the air and he'd rise a little bit and he'd pound the air and pound the air and pound the air, pound the air and pound the air. And then all of a sudden the thermals, the, the warm air was rising underneath the eagle and he stopped pounding his wings against the air and he just continued to rise. These thermals was picking him up and then he began to circle and he began to circle and he began to circle and he began to rise higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and to the point where the eagle became a dot. He just continued to soar higher and higher and higher and the pastor lay there and he was just watching and all of a sudden the eagle just completely disappeared from sight. He got so high. And eagles are amazing that they can fly so high like that. And, and I'm thinking about this. You know, and, and, and then I read this verse. It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Set your affections on things above, things that are higher, things that are worthy to have your affections set on. Set your affections on things above, like the kingdom stuff. And, and King Jesus, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead. We're, we're dead to our sin. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And boy, Holy Spirit, when well, we can struggle and struggle, but when you're in right relationship with God and his power comes underneath us and just raises us up, and it's really not so much work anymore. Well, it starts out seeming that way, but you get your affection set on the King, King Jesus. Now, Sir Francis Drake, he said, Disturb us, Lord. What a prayer to pray, isn't it? Disturb us, Lord, when we're too well pleased with ourselves. Oh, I'm really doing good, aren't I? You know? Disturb us, Lord, when we're too well pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little. When we arrive safely because we have sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. And we've fallen in love with life. We have ceased to dream of eternity anymore. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Has, has heaven become a reality to you? And the loved ones who passed on there? Or, or has heaven become, you know, not a thing that you ever even think about anymore? Anyhow, Sir Francis Drake, he said, Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery. We're losing sight of the land. We shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hope and to push us into the future in strength and courage and hope and in love. You know, uh, God, 
if, if you can imagine, he created us for a whole lot more than often we invest our life into. He created us more. I mean, like, like a, a beautiful sailboat was created to sail. Uh, a sailboat wasn't created just to bob up and down, moored in a harbor for its entire life. It was created to sail. What's God created us for? Let's set our affections on things above. And let's become and do what God has called us to. He tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 27. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get preoccupied. You know, it's what he's talking about. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get preoccupied with the ungodly stuff. Although a lot of ungodly stuff, it seems harmless enough, but it still preoccupies us and it steals our vision and it steals our focus. You know, it takes a, a daily alertness. It really does. And I'm talking about daily alertness to protect us from the distractions and, and from the dangers aimed at our heart by the enemy of our soul, the devil, you know? And he tells us here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, but and, I have, and, and this is Jesus talking. But I have this complaint against you. This is what Jesus is saying to the people. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Wow. Jesus had a complaint against his people. He says, you don't love me anymore like you used to love me. You don't love me and you don't love people. And what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, so your mind, and your strength. And you, does anyone here remember what the second commandment is? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and Jesus said that was equally important. And if you'll only fulfill those two commands, all the other ten commandments, they will automatically be taken care of. When you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to kill or steal or all the covet all, what your neighbor has. You know, and, and, and that's what he says. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. And, and when you read that in the King James Bible, it says you have left your first love. You have left your first love. You've forsaken your first love, which is God. You, you've abandoned. You've departed. You, you've walked away from your first love. And that's not a positive thing, you know. Is that true of you? Have you left your first love? Have you pursued other things that really will never satisfy you, you know? Is your heart preoccupied with something other than, than God? Even if it seems harmless, have you become preoccupied with more than your first love? And anyhow, verse 5 goes on to say, Look how far you have fallen from your first love. Look how far you have fallen. Has your well of devotion to God run dry? Are, are, are you empty, you know? Through just the busyness of life? You, you left your first love? You put him first and... You know, it's the best thing you can possibly do. It really is. Now, I, I read about this um, sailor many, many years ago. And this sailor, he was on uh, a ship. And they did their thing with their boat. You know, and they sailed and they picked up goods and they delivered them or whatever. But one day, the sailor, and they would swamp the deck, you know, mop and clean and do all kinds of things and all. And uh, he pulled out his bandana, and they have a compass on this old wooden ship, and it was about this big, and it had a, 
a, a kind of a glass bowl over the top of it to keep the water out of it. And it was made out of brass because it was not magnetic and it didn't mess up the, uh, the uh, compass, you know, point north and all. And so he was cleaning up the compass and all and this, this brass had little, little grooves around it where the glass would sit down on it and all. But it had a lot of yuck gunk and dirt and stuff. So he pulled out his little bandana in there and then he pulled out his knife and he took his knife blade and he was going around that little groove just pulling out all the dirt, you know? He was doing a fantastic job. But unknowns to him, he broke just a teeny tiny tip of his knife off in that little bitty groove. It was such a small part, he didn't even recognize it, you know? And anyhow, they went on, they got the ship all cleaned up as they were sailing, and anyhow, in, in weeks uh, to come, uh, his ship wrecked and went through the sand bars of, of shoals that was under the water, and then it, it rammed these big rocks and coral and stuff, and people's lives were lost. And they discovered that it was 300 miles off course. And they never had made such a horrible mistake before. 300 miles from where it was going, and they followed the compass every step of the way. But it was a little piece of a knife tip broke off in the compass. And if you'll know, if you have a compass, you try it, you take a pocket knife by it, or you take whatever is made out of metal, and it causes the compass, it changes it. So do we have something in, in our life you know, kind of like that, that, that distracts and, and, you know, sets us on the wrong course? Is there something in your life that's causing you not to hit the, the goal that you're really looking for, you know? What throws you off course? What in your life right now is throwing you off course? Think about that, you know. And then it tells us here in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, and now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires you to fear him. And I don't know if you understand the fear of God, but it says it in the Bible, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil because evil separates you from God. And that's what he's talking about here. He requires you to fear him. And it's not being scared of God, but just to hate evil, just like you would hate a rattlesnake. What was it? How many weeks ago was it? I took the dog for a walk around behind our house. It was about three, three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, I took my dog around the back out there, and uh, it was raining cats and dogs and all, and then we were coming back down toward the house, and our dog is old, and he's got what they call old dog syndrome, and so I'm just kind of, you know, really taking care of him, and he's going down there. There's a big old copperhead laying. I've never seen a copperhead laying with his mouth wide open. I've seen, you know... Uh, those snakes down south, cottonmouth moccasins do that, but he was laying there, you know, and he was getting ready to bite whatever came near him. Well, he, he died of lead poisoning, that snake did. <laughs> he really did, you know. We heard a gunshot in the house, we're like, hmm, what's happening out there? <laughs> hey, well, we live in, in the country, and uh, things like that happen sometimes. Anyhow, it says here, and now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you? He requires you to fear him. Which means to hate evil. 
because evil will separate you from God like you hate a snake because it can separate you from life. You know what I'm saying? He requires you to fear him, to live according to his will, to love and worship him with all. With all. That's 100%. All your heart and soul. And you must always. Always. That's 100% of the time. Obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Why has he given us his commands? For our good. For our own good. That's the reason we have speed limits and, and, and laws out there, you know, that we are to live by for our own good. And God has given us his word, you know, for our own good. And to be occupied with Jesus is for our own good. And it says here in Mark chapter 12, verse 31. It's continuing for before. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. No rivals. No rivals. Don't let there be any ri uh, rivals when it comes to loving God. That's the first command. To love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. No rivals. That's number one. And then... We know what the second command is? Love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself. Well, listen to what it says here in Psalms 42, verse 1. As the deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth. Panteth, so longeth, so, so thirsteth, you know. My soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. See, there's, there's no issue... In life, that's more critical than loving Jesus. That's number one. That's top priority. And see, we're just going to get maybe another scripture here. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse fourteen. Whatever we do, it is because Christ's love controls us. Does Christ's love control you? Or is anger, or resentment, or bitterness? He says. Here, whatever we do is because Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for everyone, we also believe that we have all died to the old life. To that old sinful life. That old life that we used to live. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live to please themselves. Instead, they will live to please Christ who died and was raised for them. Do we live our life to please Christ? Think about that, you know. How do, how do we live our lives? Listen here to Psalms 27 verse 4. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most. This is what the psalmist is, is saying. Is to live in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life. To live in the presence of God while you're still here on earth all the days of my life. Delighting in the Lord's perfections. Meditating in his temple. He will conceal me there when troubles come. Isn't that awesome I encouraging? Love that, verse. that God, when we put him first, he will conceal us in his presence when trouble comes our way. He will conceal us when troubles come. You know, I was just thinking about it and... In the 45 years that we've been married, God has been faithful to that. He has concealed us when troubles come. 
Don't mean we haven't had troubles come into our life. No. But he has concealed us and he's protected us and he's helped us. Even just like that little situation with the copperhead. Yeah. You know? Really, 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 really has. And he goes on to say... He will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. In his presence. And it's not just in a building, but you can live in the presence of God when you're hiking up a mountain or wherever you might happen to be. He will place this me... This is one of my favorite pieces of the, this particular verse here. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. And I visualize this, that God will place me out of reach up on a high rock and the wolves and the coyotes are coming and nipping, but I'm, I'm safe and secure up on that high rock, you know, out, out of their reach. And that's what that passage is saying. He'll conceal me there when troubles come, and he'll hide me in his presence, his sanctuary, and will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. Wow, because I'm occupied with God. When you're occupied with God, you have an advantage. You genuinely do. Do you remember when you fell in love with a significant other in, in your life? You know, something changed and, you know, something within caused you maybe to bring flowers. You know, and you didn't normally bring flowers to people, but something changed you. And, and I, I know in our life, I went, I was working, saving money to get married and go to Bible school, and I would call up Susan, and you had to put coins in the machines back in them days, you know, and you had to have pockets full of coins and all, and I'd call her on a weekend there, and we would chat on some issues that we might needed to chat about, and then we didn't know what to say, you know, so I would just listen to her, listening to me, listening to her. But it was very comforting just knowing she was there and her knowing that I was there. But our love for each other changed us. And we acted kind of weird and strange, I suppose. And just so you know, we were virgins when we got married. I want to clarify that. I've told people that and said, that's not possible. I said, oh, yes, it is. And it attracts the blessings of Almighty God. And if you aren't in that case, God will forgive you. And he'll give you a whole brand new start. That's, that's what he will do. And all. Yeah, but when you love somebody, you know, it, it, it causes you to change. You're, you're more interested in your, your figure and, and things, you know, like that maybe. And you might change your language or you might adjust your, your priorities, you know, set a new agenda. Well, the same is true in our relationship with God because his love it compels us to change. God's love compels us to change, compels us to listen to him and discover what he's saying to us. And, and our love for God and his love for us, it compels us to act different than we have in the past. And when you're occupied with God, it just changes us. And, and we become more and more like Jesus. And that's a a good place to be. It genuinely is. Uh, let's look here at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Live a life filled with love for others. Live a life filled. Now that word can be interchanged with the word occupied. Live a life occupied with love for others. 
live a life filled or occupied with love for others. Following the example of Christ, who loved you and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. Hmm. Now, when we started Faith Living Church, you know, th these little uh, values that we have, you know, relationships and transformation, you know, relevance and, and, and all, they're kind of hard to read and understand. But our, our, what we used to live by, and I think it's time to, to make it, to clarify it a little bit, the two commands that God gives us is to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And then number two is what? Love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. It can really be summed up in four words. Love God, love people. Because if you love, you are going to serve. You're, you're, you're exactly right. You know, to love and to serve God, it looks like this. To love and serve God looks like this. And then to love and serve others looks like this. Because loving God, you're, you're reaching out toward him and Loving others, you're reaching out towards them. What does that look like? A cross. It's a cross. It reminds us. It reminds us of the cross of Christ. And I've been crucified with Christ. And that just means we, we, we discipline ourselves. You know, that's what it's talking about. To, to be crucified, to, to discipline ourselves, to put God first in everything that you do. And to put others and you love other people. And you don't have to even know those people. You just reach out and you just help someone. You know, because they, they need help at that, that moment. Anyhow, you know, that's about where, as far as we're going to go today. But I challenge you to become occupied with God. And, and as we're occupied with him and we're learning his word, we'll become occupied with his will. We'll genuinely care about people. You know, and, and a lot of you... Your, your lives, your, your careers, whether your career is in medicine or all kinds of things that, that we do, we, we serve other people, we, we care about other people and all. And that's a priority. So I would challenge you, when we just last verse and then we're going to pray. It says, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, let love be your highest goal. To love God and love others. Let that be your highest goal. It's good for you. You know, it, it does good in your life. And you become more like Christ and you'll be satisfied. When you love God and you put him first and then you love the people that he brings in, into your, your life. So I'd like right now, if you would reaffirm your faith in Christ with me as I reaffirm my faith in him and those who are watching online or you're here, would you reaffirm your faith? And you say, well, I've never really had faith before. Maybe declare your faith for the very first time. So I would ask you to pray. Pray out loud with me right now. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. That's why you sent your son Jesus. And he died in my place. And he died in my place. He paid for my sins. He paid for my sins. And then he rose from the dead. And then he rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my and heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life. And I welcome Jesus into my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. As my King. 
as my king and as my friend and as my friend in Jesus name in Jesus name amen amen and amen